Hi, and welcome to Stories of the Prophet series, and we are continuing with Suleiman al-Islam, the son of Da'ud al-Islam. Okay, so Suleiman al-Islam, he ruled over a magnificent kingdom. It was centered on Jerusalem. Not only was he the ruler of the people, but also of the birds, the animals, the jinn, the clouds, and even the wind. There has not been such a glorious and magnificent kingdom seen on earth before or since. He was also given the knowledge and science of other things, including the ability to understand the language of the animal kingdom. Yet, unlike ordinary men who are prone to corruption and greed when granted wealth or power, Suleiman al-Islam never forgot to be grateful and obedient to Allah. So we said, Work, O family of Dawood, in gratitude, and few of my servants are grateful. It's said in Quran. And to Dawood we give Suleiman. An excellent servant. Indeed, he was one repeatedly turning back to Allah. Suleiman al Islam was an attentive and just leader and was beloved by the people. His kingdom prospered and its subjects were well taken care of. As we saw from the story of Dawud al Islam, Suleiman al Islam was also highly observant and intelligent from a young age. Nothing escaped his attention, and his army, including the jinn, continuously gathered intelligence and fed him with reports of going on in his kingdom and other kingdoms. However, despite his status and rank, Suleiman al-Islam was humble, just and compassionate, not just to the human race, but to the most insignificant insect. And in the story of the ant of Suleiman al-Islam, we saw how he diverted his entire army in order to avoid trampling an ant hill. Okay, however, Prophets and messengers are not immune from mistakes. So, one day, Suleiman al-Islam was presented with horses of magnificent breed. He loved horses and was so absorbed with these steeds until sunset that he missed his evening prayer. He did not do this purposefully, rather the love of these horses made him forget the remembrance of his Lord. This was a trial of his. When he missed the evening prayer, he realized that he had made the mistake of allowing the horses to occupy his heart to such a great extent. He immediately repented and decided to forsake his horses so that nothing would distract him from the love of Allah. Suleiman al-Islam also made the following supplication. He said, My Lord, forgive me and grant me a kingdom such as will not belong to anyone after me. Indeed, you are the bestower. So we subjected to him the wind blowing by his command gently wherever he directed. Allah accepted his repentance. It is not known conclusively whether the above supplication was as a result of his distraction by the horses or caused by some other form of fitna that he underwent. In any case, Allah rewarded him something more beautiful. Suleiman al-Islam loved the speed of the horses and was willing to give them up for the sake of Allah. So Allah subjected the wind to his power, which blew to his order whenever he decided. Some reports speak of a platform or something similar which he sat on when he traveled in this fashion. This was a means of transportation faster than the horses that he gave up, where Allah permitted him to cover a month's journey in a single morning and his return journey in a single evening. In addition, Allah made the jinn a kingdom subject to his rule. Any jinn who disobeyed him was immediately punished by Allah by being burnt. The jinn therefore were terrified of him and worked in abject obedience and humiliation to serve him day and night. They performed various activities and jobs for him, from mining to building magnificent structures to diving in the ocean and collecting its bounties from there. The jinn constructed whatever Suleiman al-Islam ordered, including arches, basins, 
large wells, cauldrons, and many other amazing objects. And to Suleiman, we subjected the wind. Its morning journey was that of a month, and its afternoon journey was that of a month, and we made flow for him a spring of liquid copper. And among the jinn were those who worked for him by permission of his lord, and whoever deviated among them from our command, we will make him taste the punishment of the place. The army of Suleiman al-Islam was highly disciplined in observing their ranks. Imagine how intimidating the army looked when they gathered from large beasts, ferocious predators, jinn and the clouds when marching in their perfect and orderly formation at his behest. No other army was capable of standing against his mighty forces. So one day, Suleiman al-Islam, he gathered his army. All the humans, beasts, jinns, clouds and wind attended. Despite such a large gathering, Suleiman al-Islam's sharp eyes noticed that one bird was missing, a hopo, and his name was Hudhud. The hopo is a magnificent bird with beautiful feathers, and its distinguishing feature was the plumage on its head that resembled a crown. It was valuable for its ability to search for water sources while the army was out on expeditions. And he took attendance of the birds and said, why do I not see the hopo, or is he among the absent? The hopo's absence was unacceptable, and the penalty for going missing in action without a cause was high. It required stern disciplinary action, as was customary in any army. Yet, being a just man, Suleiman al-Islam did not immediately pass sentence. Instead, he gave the hopo a chance to explain his absence, saying, I will surely punish him with a severe punishment or slaughter him unless he brings me clear authorization. The hopo soon returned to Suleiman al-Islam with an astonishing report. He said, I have encompassed in knowledge that which you have not encompassed, and I have come to you from Sheba with certain news. Indeed, I found there a woman ruling them, and she has been given of all things, and she has a great throne. The hopo was referring to the queen of Sheba, now called Yemen, whose name was Balkis. She was of royal lineage and reigned over a prosperous kingdom. Her magnificent throne was a symbol of power. However, the hopo continued, they did not worship and prostrate to Allah, but rather, I found her and her people prostrating to the sun instead of Allah, and shaitan has made their deeds pleasing to them and averted them from his way, so they are not guided. It shocked and pained the hopo that any people or community would be so spiritually lost and deny the worship of Allah. This was the most crucial description that the hopo had of her kingdom, rather than the fineries that it contained. Suleiman al-Islam wanted to verify whether the hopo was telling the truth or was spinning some fiction to save itself from punishment. Also, it would be unjust to take any action against Balkis without establishing the facts. He instructed the little bird to fly the entire distant distance to Sheba. We will see whether you were truthful or were of the liars. Take this letter of mine and deliver it to them. Then leave them and see what answer they will return. Okay. This world and what it contains is a constant trial for us, and many of what is contained in this world supplies us with enjoyment and entertainment, which distracts us from the main purpose of our creation, which is to worship Allah. The story of Suleiman al Islam shows how even prophets can be diverted, but this is not an endorsement of such acts. When Suleiman al Islam was so preoccupied by his horses that it made him forget his duty to worship Allah, he not only seized such behavior but also got rid of the source of distraction thus eliminating the things that occupied his heart above the remembrance of Allah so this is a crucial lesson that we have to learn all right so back to the queen of Sheba 
Nadhopo did as commanded, carried the letter and in some reports together with a copy of religious scriptures and dropped it close by to Balkis. Then, as instructed, he observed her secretly from a distance. The letter was very short and to the point, containing an invitation to the way of Allah. Balkis read the letter and decided to seek counsel of the royal advisers on the best course of action. She said, O eminent ones, indeed to me has been delivered a noble letter. Indeed it is from Suleiman, and indeed it reads, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, in the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful, be not haughty with me, but come to me in submission as Muslims. She did not want to take any action without analyzing the consequences. Her counsel advised her that they had the strength and ability for war, and it was her prerogative whether she wanted to press on with warfare. Balkis considered the advice and said, Indeed, kings, when they enter a city, they ruin it and render the honor of its people humbled. She realized that if her forces were overpowered at war, she would lose her status and be the lowest of the subjects. Therefore, a more conservative and diplomatic tactic was required. She decided to send her emissaries to Suleiman al-Islam to bear gifts to him in order to establish a friendship and also as a bribe for him to not attack them. Her emissaries traveled to the kingdom of Suleiman al-Islam, laden with magnificent gifts from Sheba. To their surprise, Suleiman al-Islam's kingdom was so resplendent, exceeding all their expectations and in fact making their own present look cheap in comparison. Suleiman al-Islam was unimpressed, not only because as a prophet it was beneath his station to accept bribes and be dazzled by the material wealth, but also he said, Do you provide me with wealth? But what, what Allah has given me is better than what he has given you. Rather, it is you who rejoice in your gift. He then issued an ultimatum to the missionaries. Return to them, for we will surely come to them as soldiers that they will be powerless to encounter, and we will surely expel them therefrom in humiliation, and they will be debased. When the missionaries returned to their queen, they realized that given the size and force of Suleiman al-Islam's army, their only option was to surrender. Together, they tra traveled back with Balkis to Jerusalem to meet Suleiman al-Islam. In fact, Suleiman al-Islam was averse to using violence or force to spread the word of Allah. Submission to Allah should be from the heart, not by bloodshed or fear. Upon hearing that Balkis and her entourage were on their way, he devised a strategy to impress Balkis and give her a glimpse of Allah's might. He knew that her throne was a symbol of her kingdom status, so decided that he would use her throne as a tool of displaying the power of Allah to her. So Suleiman said, O assembly of jinn, which of you will bring me her throne before they come to me in submission? A powerful one from among the jinn said, I will bring it to you before you rise from your place. And indeed, I am for this task strong and trustworthy. Said one who had knowledge from the scripture, I will bring it to you before your glance returns to you. The distance between Jerusalem and Sheba is at least 2,000 kilometers. When Suleiman al-Islam saw her throne placed before him in the blink of an eye, he was reminded of his Lord's greatness and turned to him in gratitude, saying, this is from the favor of my Lord to test me whether I will be grateful or ungrateful, and whoever is grateful, his gratitude is only for the benefit of himself, and whoever is ungrateful, then indeed my Lord is free of need and generous. He then instructed them to disguise her throne and alter some of its characteristics to see if she would be guided to recognize it or not. When Balkis arrived, he asked her whether she had a throne like that. She was disconcerted. The throne resembled hers, yet some of the features were different. Could it be the same one? So Suleiman said, And we were given knowledge before her, and we have been Muslims in submission to Allah, 
and that which she was worshipping other than Allah had averted her from submission to him. Indeed, she was from a disbelieving people. Sulaiman al-Islam then ordered the construction of a grand palace built of glass or crystal. According to some reports, the passages inside the palace ha- had water streams containing fish and other underwater creatures covered with glass. The palace looked like an aquarium from all sides, including the floor. Suleiman was waiting inside and invited her to enter. She mistakenly thought that she was going to wade through water, so she lifted her hem, uncovering her legs. At this juncture, and according to some reports, to protect her modesty so that she did not expose her legs to him, Suleiman al-Islam told her that, Indeed, it is a palace whose floor is made smooth with glass. At this point, Balkis could no longer deny the magnificence of Allah and the powers that he can grant to a believer. She realized that she and her people had been on the wrong path, entirely persuaded by what she saw and experienced. So she surrendered to Allah. She said, My Lord, indeed I have wronged myself and I submit with Suleiman to Allah, Lord of the Worlds. Since she was such a respected figure among her subjects, when she submitted to Allah, all of her subjects followed suit. Therefore, her whole nation accepted Islam without any need for bloodshed. The whole chain of events was triggered by a small bird whose tiny heart ached when it saw a disbelieving nation. One humble bird managed to lead an entire nation to Islam. Some reports claim that Suleiman al-Islam married Balkis, although there is no confirmation of this from Muslim reports. Okay, so this is all that's um, mentioned in the Quran about Suleiman al-Islam and his uh, story that, which is when um, well it's the story of the ant okay and this this segment wouldn't be complete if I didn't add that in so let's do it alright so one day Suleiman al-Islam he gathered his troops of jinns humans and birds and they marched in strict discipline towards the direction of the valley of ants. If they were to trample on the ants' nest, it spelt doom for the entire ant community residing there. Now the ant heard the approach of the army, this one ant, and she was aware that ants, being one of the smallest insects and often most overlooked by people, were barely noticeable. What more admits such a large army and their beasts of burden? She knew that Suleiman al-Islam and his troops were likely to crush them. She urgently warned her community of great danger and ordered them to take refuge in their dwellings. It said in Quran, Until when they came upon the valley of the ants, an ant said, O ants, enter your dwelling that you not be crushed by Suleiman and his soldiers while they perceive not. As a side note, observe the language used in Quran. First, the Quran refers to this ant as a female ant. Okay, It has since been discovered that within the hierarchy of an ant colony, the females are the ones that are responsible for the security. Secondly, the word crushed was referred. Unlike us whose skeletons are surrounded by flesh, the skeleton of the ant is external. The word crush is more appropriate to describe what would happen if ants were stepped upon, given their exoskeleton. It is said that during this time, Suleiman al-Islam was riding on the clouds. However, Allah made the tiny ants plea audible to him, even with the distance between them and the noisy march of the army. Suleiman al-Islam comprehended her language and could not hold back his smile of amusement and began to laugh. Even though Suleiman al-Islam possessed all the worldly materialism, when he heard the ant talking about him, he was immediately reminded of Allah and his countless blessings. He acknowledged that it was a gift from Allah and showed gratitude immediately. 
He commanded the army to change its course, and the destruction of the ant colony was avoided. All of this because of a plea of a single ant. Now, if we reflect on the power that the single ant wielded, she was not physically outstanding, and according to some accounts, was even crippled. Yet, this small and insignificant creature was named and mentioned in the last revelation of Allah to mankind. Allah loved this ant so much because of her bravery, sincerity, selfness, disbelief, and devotion, putting the benefit of her community above her own. The ant took responsibility over her community without second thought or blaming or complaining. She behaved in a responsible fashion and took action immediately when it was required. Now, in the history of mankind, one person can be called a great person because of his accomplishment and contribution to mankind and society. Now, if we reflect, we are responsible of what we are doing to change the status quo of aggression, oppression, injustice and the zulm of mankind. We see it in the news daily and each of us is responsible to help according to his ability. This apparently insignificant incident comes with a great message that Allah loves those who have piety, more so if they try to support others and sacrifice what they have for the benefit of others. Through his story, we learn the importance of acknowledging the guidance and bounty of Allah over us and to thank him for it. So, yeah, with this, um, all mention of Suleiman al-Islam in the Quran and in the Hadith end here. And we will be moving on to Prophet Zakaria al-Islam story pretty soon. So I will see you then. <laughs> Take care and bye.